Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson and Michael Remus with you. Had a busy show today. Mike McIntyre covering the Winnipeg Jets is going to jump on with us for the latest on the squad post-practice today, heading into tomorrow's exhibition game number five of six. And we'll talk a little Brad Lambert, get the latest on uh, the players remaining and how the lines look today with a few players back off of uh, some time away from camp, including Morgan Barron. Um, so we will talk plenty of Jets. We'll also get into some CFL and NFL talk with TSN football insider Dave Naylor coming up a little later on in the show. We'll also get to the cool bet lines uh, uh, before we get to the uh, top of the second hour. Hockey Canada in Ottawa. We'll touch on that as well as that saga continues. And a bomber trade made today shoring up the defensive secondary. All of that coming up on today's show. Before we do anything, though, a big thanks to the sponsors that power Winnipeg Sports Talk and make this show happen each and every day, including Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Not Auto Corp, as well as Consolidated Supply, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Aikens Lake, Culligan Water, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Boston Pizza, our friends at Canadian Club Whiskey, Little Brown Jug Brewing, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and our friends at Breezy Bend. And a big congratulations to our good friend, Corey Johnson. Uh, the yesterday awards out for the PGA of Manitoba. And Corey was, I believe the technical term was club executive of the year. Um, as I mentioned for many times on the program, Corey's the heart and soul over at Breezy where we spent a lot of time and it was great to hear that. Our pal Glenn Circus winning the teacher of the year as well. Um, and congratulations to everybody that got the awards. Eric Johnson as well. I think he was the salesperson of the year. And some nice connections with a bunch of guys that got some hardware at the PGA of Manitoba uh, awards yesterday. All that being said, we're going to talk Jets. We're going to talk Bombers and much more. Welcome to everyone that's with us live on YouTube right now. Make sure to hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. And a big shout out to everyone making us a part of your day via the podcast available wherever you get your favorite podcast. Let's get Remus in here. And by the way, I'm going to warn everybody right now. I think Remus in a pretty bad mood today because he just found out that the three-year wait for the Rage Against the Machine concert is uh, is all for naught. I'm, uh, I'm pretty rattled here, Huss. I saw the Canada Life Center uh, posting it on Twitter, Rage Against the Machine with the announcement that they're postponing the tour. Zach Del Roca tore his Achilles when they finally got it going. So he bought these tickets, Huss, February 2020. This is now October 22, almost three years later. And it is finally canceled. And Ticketmaster, who's had in Live Nation, they've had my money for this long. And now I'll be getting it back without interest. So, <laughs> uh, uh, pretty, uh, pretty, I mean, I hope, wish Zach the best, but uh, I'm, I was. That's like one of the things, you know, I only like look at my phone and scream at it when I get like Jets alerts usually. Like when Wheeler was, uh, you know, they announced the captain that they were taking away from him. Like you look at your phone. I'm like, whoa, like this was that for me. So pretty disappointing. And, you know, we haven't really had any good like rock concerts. I went to the Eagles um, a couple weeks ago, but, you know, Foo Fighters, they on, went on hi hiatus after uh, Taylor Hawkins passed away, which was extremely sad. 
and Rage Against the Machine canceled, so maybe we'll get something something to make up for it. But uh, for concert fans here, we're waiting for this one. I'm I'm rattled. I know it's not sports, but I think all it's a similar demographic. You, all I can offer you is a preseason game tomorrow night at Canada Life Center, a home opener next Friday against the New York Rangers. Yeah, well, I'll use my money on that now. And the Elks coming to town on Saturday to take on the 13-2 and two there you Winnipeg go. Blue Bombers. Hey, uh, we do I, have I, lots of sports stuff going on. But, you know, listen, I had met a lot of friends as well that were pretty fired up about that. And, listen, Ticketmaster does connect to sports because there is no bigger scam in today's business world than the racket that Ticketmaster has over the ticket game. I saw a girl that I know yesterday tweeting out that an $89 ticket at Ticketmaster now has $17 plus in fees and then a $4 and something charge for something else and a, a nice casual $111 on what should be an $89 ticket. Yeah, uh, the worst is when we, they and, like when they charge you to like print your own tickets now they don't do that at home i think everyone misses like real tickets like i have a box of stubs like now i just have like a bunch of old tickets in my apple wallet not exactly the same thing but i guess like i can show that off to people right those are like nfts of your ticket yeah they uh, they are i even, <laughs> i even got like my uh i don't delete anything from my apple wallet i'm a digital hoarder so i have like i have like old <laughs> Old expire. Oh, it says show my expired passes. I got like all my plane tickets on here and like other tickets. You put so. plane tickets in your Apple wallet? Of course. Yeah, you got to. The best. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've never, oh. I've never done that before. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. And actually, I've never really looked at my expired passes, but here we've oh, got, I got Manitoba Moose, Jets, Bombers, Jets, 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 Jets. I got an event ticket. Oh, I went to a Raptors game in Valor FC. Yeah, see, I got good stuff on here. Airbnbs end up in there somehow. So come on, that's my new. I don't. I have like a binder with uh, some ticket stubs. Now it's just in my Apple Wallet. Yeah, well, as I said, it's all there in one easy spot. And that was a game changer going to games and realizing that it was way easier to use the Apple Wallet for tickets. I don't mm -hmm. know when I started doing that, but uh, I was so pissed off. <clears throat> Actually, when they put in the new rule that you can't send screenshots. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was bad enough that, okay, we don't have tickets anymore or whatever. Okay, it's a bit of a pain, but I'm sure we'll get used to the digital things. But it was so easy. Like, oh, you're going to the game or I can't make it. Boom, here are my tickets. Go use them and you're good. Now, of course. Although here's one, one interesting thing. Since they went away from tickets, I've never seen anyone have to like show their ticket when they're going to a particular seat. I mean, I'm sure at a certain point, if you're sitting in someone's seats, they have to go and do that. But it is a, it's a different ticketing world now. Uh, all that being said, we could talk about tickets and the Ticketmaster scam and other things going forward. But we've got a lot of get lot to get to. And like I said, we're going to talk Jets in just a minute. Uh, we're going to hear from Rick Bonus, Mark Shifley, a little clip from Brad Lambert, who has been the talk of the town since the game on Saturday night. Uh, but we should start off with some pretty significant Bombers news, uh, Remo. A trade today made by Kyle Walters. Trading uh, for Alden Darby to come back. A member of last year's Grey Cup team signed with Hamilton in the offseason. And it does seem like these injuries in the secondary have really added up. And uh, Cedric Wilcox, who actually was in the active lineup last week, starting at defensive end with Jackson Jeffcoat out, 
on the way to Hamilton. And I guess the first, I had two reactions right off the bat. Great to have Darby back. He's a guy that the Bombers could certainly use considering the injuries that they've suffered over the course of this season in the secondary. But the other thing was if the Bombers are willing to trade Wilcots, you'd have to think that is good news for Jackson Jeffcoat, who missed the last game. Wilcots went in for him, although Jackson was not at, uh, at at practice this week. Bombers are in a pretty luxurious situation right now where they can afford to let guys wait as long as they need to get back in. But I have to admit, I did take that as a, hopefully a good sign about Jackson Jeffcoat's availability going forward. And certainly, Darby's a guy that knows this team, knows the organization, and knows about winning a great cup. And uh, he'll have the opportunity to do it again here in Winnipeg. Yeah, we have a trade to announce. Uh, and I think, you know, we've talked uh, the last couple of weeks here, Huss, about the issues that the Bombers have had in the secondary with injuries. So you trade from a position of strength and... You, you know, Philip, I think it was Rutledge who got uh, banged up previously. So Alan Darby, knows the system, played here before, won a great cup. We, I think we were, I remember when he signed with Hamilton in the offseason, we were kind of like, oh man, like that's, that's too bad. He was a big part of uh, the team. But hey, we bring him back now. And I don't know if it's going to have the impact of another uh, trade deadline acquisition that Bombers made. Uh, <laughs> that's acquiring Zach Claris a couple years ago. But uh, hey, any trades are, are good. So that's. Uh, that's pretty pretty good deal here for the Bombers. I like it. You know, I was watching SportsCenter last night after the uh, after the Monday Nighter, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute. There's a couple hilarious things that happened in that football game, uh, but they were they were doing a top ten list of wild, evasive quarterback moves inspired by the playground play that Mahomes did on uh, Sunday night, um, leading to that um, little pitch pass to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And number eight on the list was the Zach Caleros touchdown to Darvin Adams at the end of the regular season in 2019. And that play never, ever gets old. And the funny thing is, is that was, you know, as we've talked before, it was the one regular season game that Zach played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, but every single time I see that, Remo, I think of being at the Heritage Classic in a packed bar, half Calgary fans, half Winnipeg fans, and watching that play... And looking over at other Bomber fans and Jet fans as they were in shock, awe, and realize now looking back that that was the start of the most special run um, that we've seen here potentially ever. And right now on the verge of doing something that no team has done since the early 80s and those uh, Edmonton teams led by Warren Moon. So, um, yeah, the Zach, Zach Caleros, his story never gets old. The wins never get old. Uh, but that play, which was featured last night, will continue to be one to Darvin Adams. Started it all for the Bombers. And uh, hard to imagine, we're three-plus years later, two championships down, 13 out of 15 wins on the season with another great chance for the Blue and Gold to do it again. Yeah, and it's funny. You know, you think of that play, you know, when he scrambled Claris, but he's been making that signature play so many times. And one thing that really impresses me um, is his deep ball. And he's found a way to connect with Dalton Schoen so many times. Nick Dembski, um, amazing that he was able to connect with uh, those two and Rasheed Bailey for touchdowns in the win over Saskatchewan. So the Bombers keep on rolling and we're kind of just like waiting here for to find out who uh, the opponent is in the playoffs. Um, they haven't clinched the division yet. Ed Tate was tweeting about this one 
yesterday. Um, everyone's asking, you know, what is the playoff scenario here? And he said, this is from the league to make it official. A Winnipeg win and a BC loss. They'll clinch first place in the West Division and will host the Western Final on November 13 at IG Field, which I think will be a bit warmer than last year's Western Final. Do you remember? Remember that one? Last year, I'm I'll still never cold. forget it. Still I'll never cold. forget it. Still and cold from it. I'll be honest. The cold made that game what it was. I mean, that was a big part of the experience. And and the fans, the way they showed up for the entire game and stood behind the Bombers after, what, five turnovers in the first half? Um, and then the scenes in the fourth quarter, mm. everyone's singing and dancing and just trying to keep warm. Um, definitely a magical day. And, yeah, I guess the chances are, based on historical averages, that it will be warmer than it was last year. <laughs> but, <laughs> but don't don't count on it at all. That being said, we'll worry about November weather when we get to it. I got to tell you, though, this stretch of fall weather here in Winnipeg over the last week or so we've had has just been absolutely glorious. A lot of people getting some final golf games in into October. Uh, it certainly is great. And we'll cross our fingers. Actually, well, while we're just doing a quick WST weather break, we may as well take a quick look. How are we looking for Saturday? Ah, sunny and 15. I think we can take that. It's 18 right now, so a little cooler than it is out today. Uh, but sunny should be great for that Princess Auto tailgate party before the game. And uh, a 6 o'clock start on Saturday for the Elks and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Well, listen, before we move on from the Bombers, and we'll talk a little bit more about this deal and some things happening around the league with Naylor later on in the program, uh, let's get to the why not question of the day right now. For our friends over at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. And we'll focus in on the Bombers. Thoughts on this trade, what it does for the Bombers uh, on the defensive side of the football. And I guess the why not question of the day for you is, folks, and hit us up in the comments. Um, should Ch Kyle Walters stand pat after the Derby trade, or is there an other, another area of the team you would like to see shored up? Um, it's pretty hard to pick apart the Bombers right now with the season that they've had, 13-2. and two. Um, But again, it was just two games ago that they, you know, had a pretty rough afternoon in Hamilton, certainly in the defensive secondary. Obviously, that caught Kyle Walters' eyes and they've brought Darby back. Um, but I don't see any glaring holes elsewhere on the roster, but I'm interested what you think for today's Why Not Question of the Day in the chat or in the comments if you're watching us afterwards. What do you think about that, Reem? Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on injuries. If you have some of these um, linebackers hurt or it seems like the DBs um, getting hurt. I see people asking about uh, Demario Houston as well. It just seems like every week someone has got hurt. The one other area people raised here in the chat is kicker. But I think I think after that miss on Montreal, even before, you know, Mark Leggio has been pretty solid. And once he hit that winner against Saskatchewan, yeah, uh, the 55-yarder in the Labor Day Classic. Yeah, it was it was back, and I I think the team is really confident in Legio, and I got to give him a lot of credit. The way that he bounced back from, you know, a, a a miss that frankly, if the situation was different, could have cost him his job. The confidence that the team and the head coach placed in him, and the way he rewarded them in that game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and his performance since then. Uh, it, it certainly feels like it's a very different situation last year when that was a major issue for the Bombers throughout the season. And, of course, the uh, 
Lucha Libra, our buddy Sergio Castillo came in with the uh, Lucha mask and the poncho and ended up being, from from my perspective, the MVP of the Grey Cup game. Um, you know, he was such an important ga- uh, player in the game with those five field goals. Um, but anyways, that hit us up, not question of the day, your thoughts on the Bombers, and are there any other needs for this team that you'd like to see Kyle Walters address, uh, address before the deadline, or is it all systems go for cup number three? Um, Remo, uh, so I guess we'll mention the, the game later on because there's some funny stuff from last night, but um, Blue Jays playoff bound and now officially hosting the uh, wild card on the weekend Yes, against the Mariners. That's well, right, your team. Jeez. It's it's not confirmed, but yeah, it's looking like it's going to be Seattle. But I think if they lose and the Rays win out, there's two games left. Um, people are getting pumped here, Hus, for the Jays playoffs. So I, I got to wrap that. Seattle's my team. So I'll be, haven't been in the playoffs mm-hmm. since 2001. And I just washed my jersey that had stains on it, still from the last time they were in the playoffs. Uh, oh, came you, came out you, you just waited. <laughs> I was just waiting for the right time, and I'll, I don't know if I can wear it on the show, but uh, I'm kind of excited. But it's this new playoff format, Hus. Best of three, all at the same place. So uh, Rogers Center, uh, gonna be bumping. Sounds like so. Yeah, well, and that's why getting the first wild card was so important. Um, you know, the Jays, I think, and you know, we've heard some players. Uh, uh, you know, there's been a lot of interesting stuff on. Um, social media going back to, you know, the playoffs of what, five, six years ago uh, when the Jays beat Baltimore. Um, and I believe it was Trey Mancini who was interviewed and he said that the noise was so deafening. I mean, that was about as big of a home field advantage as you'll see in the sport of baseball ever. Um, so I know there's a few folks, <clears throat> excuse me, here in Winnipeg that got tickets and they're heading out for the game. So I'm pretty jealous about that. Got a few friends in TO that'll be there as well. Uh, but I wouldn't listen. I think that this team has the potential to really get on a run. Um, we know how talented they are. We know how they can hit when things are going well. And you know, with the performances, particularly of Ross Stripling, who's kind of added to Barrios and certainly Alec Manoa is the ace of the staff. I mean, the Kikuchi didn't work out. Um, Hyunjin Ryu's been out for the majority of the season. But the season that Stripling has had is uh, is huge. And the best thing that they can do is win those first two games, not have to play the third game, and set up that rotation for the ALDS in round number two after the uh, best of three wild card rounds. So uh, we will definitely get ready for that series as we get closer to the weekend. Um, and then one of the other things that we're going to get to, and maybe we'll touch on this with Mike a little bit, um, but all day today... <clears throat> We've been seeing more reports of Hockey Canada back on Parliament Hill. And, you know, they've claimed that this Globe and Mail report was uh, mischaracterized and um, not necessarily a new fund. I'm sure this is somewhat semantics. I think we know what the money was going for. Uh, But it's quite clear. It's Andrea Skinner that's now heading up the board, definitely backing Scott Smith and the Hockey Canada executives that are still there right now. And uh, there's quite a few people from all parties that are not having it right now. So... We'll keep an eye on that as well throughout the afternoon. Now, we are going to get to the Jets. Mike McIntyre is going to jump on with us in about 15 minutes or so. And before that, we're going to get to some uh, little audio from uh, Coach Bones, Mark Shifley, and more. Uh, But before we do that, 
A big thanks to our friends at Consolidated Turf for jumping on board with Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, you know, we were talking about those golf awards earlier today from PGA of Manitoba. Consolidated uh, Turf has been a huge part of the golf industry for decades here in Winnipeg and Manitoba. As the lone club car distributor in the province and working with golf courses um, <clears throat> all around, um, but also irrigation systems for golf courses, but also ones that you can have to get your lawn beautiful and lush coming up next summer. They've also got great artificial turf solutions <clears throat> for grass. Excuse me, for grass that'll withstand your pet's waste or won't grow in that shaded area. Or uh, if you're thinking about putting that dream putting green in the backyard, our longtime listener Joe at the branch will definitely hook you up. And of course, when you're thinking about maybe a new project for that beautiful backyard, Consolidated Supply has amazing outdoor kitchens, hot tubs, and more. Find out more on everything Consolidated Supply has waiting for you. They are at 1395 Niagara Road East, but check them out online at cte.ca or give Spicy and the guys a call at 204 470-3832. Uh, the gang at Vita Health Fresh Market is ready for Thanksgiving and, of course, the upcoming fall. And if you want great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, stop by and shop at one of the seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca. Back to school is here. Vita Health is packed with great school-friendly snacks and lunch items, as well as great immunity products like vitamin C and D. And Vita Health Fresh Market is the largest supplier of and carrier of local products as well. So if you want some great local stuff for that Thanksgiving dinner, now's the time to get down to Vita Health Fresh Market. And while you're at it, on the go, great lunch options, including Vita Market salad, soup, sandwiches, and more. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Looking forward to heading down to Wallace and Wallace tomorrow, seeing my pal Gordo and meet some of the folks there at their spot on Lawson Road. <clears throat> We've been telling you for the last few weeks that there still is time before the snow flies to get a brand new beautiful garage door installed at your spot. Despite supply chain, Sucker can be ordered, delivered, and installed in four weeks just in time for the snow to fly for that busy, busy time of the year where the garage door is going to be going up and down. But if you have an issue with the current garage door and aren't looking for a new one, the experts at Wallace & Wallace can help you get that fixed at a great price ASAP. So you're not doing it. I know Michael Remus has had garage door repair as well. So we've heard some great things for some of our other listeners. Pop down to see them at Lawson Road. Uh, or you can find more, uh, more online at wallacedoors.com or give them a call and they will be happy to help you. And a big shout out to the gang at Aikens Lake who finished up a great season. Cannot wait to get back there if you're thinking about an amazing fishing trip where you can be on the water in less than a couple hours from the city of Winnipeg. Aikens Lake is the spot. Find out more online at akinslake.ca. All right, Remo, let's, let's get to some of these clips. And you know what? Before we hear from Bones and from Mark Shifley, we may as well. We've just got a little bit from Brad Lambert. No surprise that the assembled media wanted to hear from the young Finn who brought fans out of their seats on Saturday night at Bell MTS Place and made a great impression in his first preseason game last Thursday uh, Lambert looks like he's going to be a player tomorrow night against Calgary. 
And uh, we'll go nine, then 10, Reem. Um, here is uh, Brad Lambert just uh, on the preseason in his first two games playing against NHL competition. Yeah, you know, uh, honestly, I, I didn't know uh, how I was going to go. I just came in here and, and you know, every day is a, a new opportunity and, uh, you know, trying to trying to do everything I can to take advantage of every opportunity I get and, uh, you know, just work work hard every day and learn every day. Well, uh, I'll say this, Reem. Uh, he certainly has done that so far, made the most of every opportunity. You'll recall he was off the ice for the first few days of camp, came back in, and the buzz that he created with his performance, especially in the third period against the Habs on Thursday on the road, and then the game that he had at Canada Life Centre, which caught the eye of fans, and also Rick Bonus, who was putting him out every second shift in the three-on-three, seeing what exactly the uh, the Lambo had under the hood, if you will. Um, Brad Lambert played last year in Finland in a men's league. It was a trying year for him, and he saw that draft stock fall much to the delight of the Winnipeg Jets at 30, as well as Winnipeg Jet fans now that they've seen him. Um, a lot of talk about where's the best spot for Brad Lambert this year, assuming he's not in the National Hockey League. Is it the Western League with a powerhouse Seattle club, or is it right here in Winnipeg playing against men with the Manitoba Moose? Lambert talked about the benefits of playing with men. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I said all along, it's, it's uh, you know, it might not be the best thing for for the short run uh, in terms of putting up a bunch of numbers and stuff like that but I think it'll help my my you know overall game and, and uh, my readiness uh, for the for the next level to to play men's hockey and uh, you know uh, it I think it, it it did really help me so uh, you know you really need to back in Europe it's a really defensive league and you need to be responsible in, in, in both ends so uh, you know I think that helped me helped me quite a bit. All right, Brad Lambert, the uh, the Canadian name, the Finnish player, and uh, certainly a, a very exciting young man for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, there has been some talk about the nickname. Now, Nate Schmidt, I believe, referred to him as Big Bad Brad. I just sort of assumed with a name like Lambert and the wheels that Brad Lambert has that Lambo is the most obvious nickname. Uh, but it, not surprisingly, that was also brought up with the Jets rookie. I guess he's not a Jets rookie yet until he signs a contract, but the rookie at training camp. And uh, here was Brad Lambert on uh, the nicknames that he's been given by teammates. Brad, let's start off with uh, Nate Schmidt has dubbed you Big Bad Brad. Um, what do you think of the uh, the nickname? Yeah, I mean, I like it. I didn't think I was that big, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> Have you had other nicknames in, uh, in the past from teammates? Uh, yeah, I think uh, well, another one they've come up with uh, here is Lambo, so that's what that's what they mostly call me. But uh, you know, I like Big Bad Brad too. So. <laughs> <laughs> big Big Bad Brad's funny, uh, and it certainly will have some legs when certain things happen. But I think in general, Lambo's got to be the one. And I was just fired up every time he does something to go into Twitter, Remo, and just fire out a uh, a Lamborghini GIF. That gets everybody going. Very simple and easy social media engagement. That's been the um, question here. Someone tweeted at me, what's the nickname for him? I can put out a poll, uh, see what the chat thinks. But someone was like, is it Big Bad Brad or Lambo? And I think Lambo's pretty easy, but I, I think I do think Big Bad... Can you do a secondary 
nickname? Yeah, like, they're not um, mutually exclusive. They're not mutually like, exclusive. Uh, like, didn't Bret Hart have two nicknames? He was also, like, the excellence of execution and the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. So he could still be... And the be, Hitman. And the Hitman. So he had three nicknames. So he could have... Brad Lambert could have that's multiple nicknames. You don't need to have have just one. I think that's yeah, something yeah, yeah. you should consider. Yeah, I don't think that we need to really go too hard on a poll making people decide between the two. Yeah. What, what, what we will need to do is uh, figure out where he's playing this year. But as we <laughs> talked yesterday, and I heard Sean and Ken talk about this afterwards, I really do think with the performance, and again, this is a week, it's two preseason games, let's see what happens tomorrow. But I think at minimum, he's done enough to show that, you know, he's got some time here in Winnipeg ahead of him, probably not in the Western Hockey League. And, you know, I think the Manitoba Moose with the potential of call-ups and potential playing some games in the NHL this year um, would be the best thing. And I think he's basically, Reem, put them in a situation where it would almost be impossible for them to send him back to junior. Yeah, and speaking of wrestling, people are calling him Big Bad Brad, too hard to say, Triple B, us. Triple, triple, triple B. And yeah, I, and I agree with you. I mean, you see that that play in overtime, see the speed, you de- and you think about the Jets' need for scoring in the bottom six, and I think he can definitely help and make an impact. And I mentioned this yesterday, and someone said to me, just look at him in the overtime. Now, I know preseason hockey, a bit different than regular season, but there's no, what's the harm in giving him a shot? Give him a couple games, see, see how he looks, and... I think he could definitely help the team, and he's been practicing. We'll get to the lines more with Mike, but he's been practicing with uh, Perfetti and uh, Tony Nato. Although that might be a placeholder, a placeholder. We'll yeah, see where well, he, you think? He yeah, I'm pretty up. sure Tony Nato didn't just emerge and all of a sudden graduate to the top six, and we'll be centering the second line. Um, it does look like a Harkins and Dubois were out yesterday. They returned to practice today. They were skating with Blake Wheeler and the assumption from the media and we'll try and get some clarification from Mike is that those players will be out of the lineup. So, um, and for people freaking out about putting Perfetti and Lambert with, uh, with Tony Nato, uh, I think a big reason for that is the other lines, Connor Shifley, Ehlers, um, as well as Menelainen, Gustafson and Gagne and Baron Lowry and Appleton are all three lines that, you know, Rick Bonus would like to see play with each other for a full game, especially with Morgan Barron getting an audition, playing with Lowry and Appleton after somewhat of a quiet uh, training camp so far for Jansen Harkins. Well, let's get to Bones. Um, the, the the big story yesterday, which was sort of neat, um, although didn't seem to be a big favorite of Mark Shifley's, was the wrong-handed practice. Um, Rick Bonus had all the guys play and shoot the wrong way for a little fun scrimmage with a couple of pucks, and uh, obviously there were some folks afterwards that are asking Rick that what exactly was going on. Tell us about the wrong-handed drill for the fellas. Got to have a little fun with this training camp. Uh, we'll do that quite a few times during the season. Yeah, you got, it's still a game, right? right. It's, it's a long training camp and you got to have, it's a game, you got to have some fun with it, man. Is that a trick you've pulled out of the toolbox before? Uh, yeah, that? oh yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We've got other games we play just to get them going, get into it. And again, you can't go as it drags on, but you never forget it's a game and we got to enjoy it and have fun. Anyone catch your eye? Is you know, Ehlers, pretty good. unreal on the riser right. He threw a couple of right hand saucers and shocked me. <laughs> I can't make those on my natural hands. All right, so uh, there's Bones uh, with some love for Nick Ehlers. 
There was a clip. I don't think we have it. Shifley, not a fan. He said it took him about 20 minutes to get back to his normal shooting way, and hopefully they wouldn't be doing that one again. Uh, hopefully that doesn't mean a bad start to the season or anything for a guy that the Jets really need lots from. Uh, but we'll hear from more from Shifley in a minute. Uh, everyone's been talking about Brad Lambert. We just heard from him. He met the media yesterday. He looks to be in the lineup playing with Perfetti on that second line with Tony Nato filling in for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, Rick Bonus was asked straight up uh, how impressed he's been by Brad Lambert so far. He has. There's no question. I mean, like I talked to him today, like what he does, we can't teach. You can't, you can't teach what that kid does with speed. It's unreal how fast he is. Uh, we'll teach him how to play the game and understand the game a little bit better. That'll be our job. But some of the things he does, you, you, that's just natural. And it's, uh, it's beautiful to watch when he gets going. <laughs> what, what keeps a guy like Brad Lambert out of the NHL? Given that skill set, what he's able to do with the puck? Well, first of all, he's not signed. So sure. that that's the start. Assuming that, that, that. Uh, uh, it, listen, it, 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 the, the, that that decision will be made over the next little while, uh, in in terms of where he starts and where he plays. Um, he hasn't played his way out of here yet, uh, and you know I love working with kids, so let's just let's give that a few more days to develop and see where it goes. You know, a really interesting answer from Rick Bonus because uh, first off, obviously, there is no contract yet. So before he plays for uh, either of the professional teams here in Winnipeg, there's going to need to be a deal done. And it was speculated by Ken because of the precipitous drop he had from where he was expected. There might be a bit of a back and forth on signing bonuses, um, which I certainly have time for. Bottom line is I think they will get this done. And... From Bonus's perspective, you could really tell that he was trying to, at the same time, show legitimate excitement in this player, but also, and not really pumping the brakes, but maybe just not get to that point where um, people are assuming that he's going to be a lock for the lineup. Although, he's going to have another opportunity to show people what he can do tomorrow night and maybe make it that much harder for the coaches to send him elsewhere. Uh, Bonus talked about Lambert and if he's able to play away from the puck. He's picked it up. If you watch some of his angles in the neutral zone when in the angle guys to the rungs where we want him to go, he's picked that up very well. So uh, the, the defensive side of the game is something every young player has to learn how to play without the puck, how to play as a five-man unit without the puck and where he's supposed to be. He's picking that up. And some of those things, it, sometimes it takes a little while. Some guys pick it right up. Other guys, it takes a little while. So the, all those things are involved with making the ultimate decision of where, he, where he'll play. But his, he's, he's got great natural hockey instincts, and he picks those things up pretty quick. All right, uh, Rick, bonus on Brad Lambert. A little bit more. I mean, many of the questions yesterday were about the 18-year-old Finn that was drafted at the end of the first round. And um, Bones uh, discussed uh, about Lambert and whether he can make the jump to the NHL, maybe a little earlier than originally assumed. If he plays his way onto the opening night roster, you figure that out as you go along, and he'll figure it out. Can he, can he adjust? It's two speeds faster once the 14th hits for us and once the league starts. So, But first of all, you got to be able to keep up to the pace. He can keep up to the pace. He's a National Hockey League skater, so the, the pace of the, of the speed of the game won't be an issue. Uh, 
the, the, the timing of your mentally as you're making plays out there, you're not going to have as much time. That's what you have to, that's what the adjustment he'll have to make. And the intensity of the one-on-one -on -one battles goes way up. So those are the adjustments that he'll, if he's here opening night, and again, let's not get way ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> so just keep those things in mind. But for a young, any young player, and it's not just Brad, but it, when that puck drops on opening night, the intensity goes way up and the speed goes way up. Does he have the legs to skate at that level? Absolutely. The, any young player has to learn the intensity and, and make decisions quicker. You just don't have, no matter how fast you are, you still don't have that much time that he's getting now. And uh, any, every young player. So, again, those, those things will come with time. All right, there's some good stuff from Rick Bonus on Brad Lambert, the challenges that he has, but what he's shown so far and. You know, the one thing that was quite obvious to anyone watching, and especially Rick Bonus, who kept throwing him out in the three-on-three -three OT, is that he has NHL speed right now. Uh, but the coach very correctly says that, you know, we're moving up a few weight classes in intensity uh, and in speed of the game once we get to the 14th in the regular season, as opposed to the last couple preseason games. Uh, but that doesn't take away anything that this young man has done through his first two preseason games. Um, you know, some people wondering about whether he'd go back to junior. On the other side of things, Rick Bonus was asked if Brad Lambert maybe has an advantage this year trying to crack an NHL lineup after playing in a Finnish senior league last season. There's a, listen, this is the best hockey league in the world by far. There's nothing over there that can compare to the National Hockey League. There's not. And these guys are bigger, they're intense, they're meaner, everything is good, everything intense. So to compare with the way they play over here in our league, I wouldn't do that at all to anybody. Our league is, is the best league in the world, and for a reason. And it's the intensity of our league and the speed of our league. Uh, so I wouldn't, it, does it help that he played against men? Yeah, but nothing what he's going to, what young players see when they first play in our league. All right, so there's a little bit more Rick Bonus, and uh, you know he does make a good point. I mean, even for players that play at the American Hockey League level, you know you come to the National Hockey League, and it is it is a little different. But he's passed the test so far. It'll get more tests beginning tomorrow uh, night. Let's just quickly get to a couple Mark Shifley clips before we get to uh, we get to this because Shifley, of course, broke onto the scene and led the whole NHL in preseason scoring. It's an 18 year old. Uh, and played, what, seven or eight games before heading back to junior. Here's Shifley on what he would say to his 18-year-old self at training camp now. Just have fun, you know, just soak it all up, you know. Um, I was having this conversation with my dad the other day, actually, and he was like, yo, think about, you know, however, you know, what, 12, 13 years ago, when you when you were playing in your first preseason, you know, what, what, you know, what it was like, and um, just soak it all up, enjoy it. Um, you know, it's a... You know, it's a fun time, and it's you know time to, to see how you you know rank up against um, you know some older players, and um, just have fun with it. All right, we're going to get to uh, more Jets with Mike McIntyre and talk about the, this upcoming game, today's practice. But here's just one more quick one from Shifley on uh, how he's viewing these final two preseason games before the team gets out to Banff and then comes back home to take on the Rangers in Game One of '82 next Friday. You know, we have two more games. Um, you're not sure what the what, what what the lineups will look like the first one. I, we assume the last one will be, you know, you know, pretty close to, to NHL lineups. So, um, you know, it's just about ramping up here. We got a bunch of a bunch of practice days, which is great to kind of nail in a few things. And you know, obviously the roster's been trimmed down a little bit. So, um, you know, get to get to some fine de details about some stuff and 
um, you know, that's, uh, that's good. It's crazy, though. We still have so much time until the regular season. So we still have lots of practice time, lots of time to, to get ready. All right, there's Mark Scheifele of the Winnipeg Jets. More Jets talk coming up in just a second with Mike McIntyre, who's warming up his rubber arm in the bullpen as we speak. Um, before we get to that, don't forget, why not question of the day is open. Thoughts on the Elden Darby trade by Kyle Walters. And is there another area you think Kyle Walters might need to look at shoring up going into the playoffs? Or is this team set locked and loaded for a third straight Grey Cup championship? Of course, the not uh, why not question of the day is brought to you by our friends at Not Auto Corp. And my buddy Andre Clark's got some great picks of the week. Some awesome vehicles, including a 2018 Lexus NX 300 at just over $40,000 with only 47,000 kilometers on it. A 2017 Jaguar F-Pace 35TR Sport and a beautiful 2018 Audi Q5 Technic Quattro all-wheel drive, all loaded uh, just a few of the great vehicles that are waiting for you right now over at Not Auto Corp. And for those of you that are maybe thinking about selling a vehicle, um, the consignment program at Not Auto Corp can help you take care of all of the worries. You don't want strangers coming to your house. The Not Team are the consignment experts. They'll certify, detail, and remarket your vehicle to maximize its value and handle all the financing at work. You can just sit back and wait for a big check. Find out more, not Autocorp in person, Waverly and McGilvery, or online over at not.ca. Well, I have a feeling the gang at Royal Sports may in the future have a big run on Lambert jerseys down at, uh, uh, he's been the talk of camp for the last few days. We just heard from Brad Lambert, and fans are justifiably excited. Whatever your favorite player, whatever jersey, whatever style you want, Royal Sports is the merchandise headquarters. They've got it all. Thousands of pieces of Jets gear, including tons of exclusives. Bombers, jerseys, hoodies, um, it, exclusive back-to-back -back championship hats and more for the Bombers. NFL, NBA, Blue Jays gear, Canada soccer and more. And of course, with the puck dropping on another hockey season, Royal Sports is the hockey superstore for over 40 years. Pop down and see him, 750 Pemina Highway, and make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. All right, we have determined Friday is the next suit day on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You guys came through with some huge numbers this summer, so we will do it again by popular demand, and uh, I'm actually quite excited about this because now I've got my new suit from F Apparel to show off on the program. The entire process was amazing. Popped down and saw Andrew and his great staff, decided on a style, fabric that I wanted, color, got measured up, and a few weeks later, had a beautiful new suit for a wedding I had to go to, and of course, all our duties here on WST. Custom suits for men starting at just $400 down at F Apparel. If you need to raise your wardrobe game, F's the place to do it. And folks, if you're involved in a wedding party, talk to the gang there about getting all the fellas suited up. You get a 15% uh, discount on suits. If you buy your uh, suits from F Apparel, mm. hell of a lot better to do that than... Uh, do a quick rental and have to return them afterwards. And again, mentioned Breezy Ben. Big congratulations to Corey Johnson 
Eric Johnson, our buddy Glenn Circus for their awards yesterday at the PGA of Manitoba Annual Awards. All right, let's get back to the Jets and welcome in from the Winnipeg Free Press, our guy, Mike McIntyre. Mike, what's up? What a what a weekend, huh? You spent quite a bit of time at the rink. I'm not sure what you were more fired up for, the big Howard Chuck unveiling or uh, the WWE coming to the peg on Friday night. Yeah, it was a great uh, it was a great one two punch for sure, uh, unintended because there were a lot of punches thrown <laughs> on on Friday night. Uh, yeah, the WWE they they put on a heck of a show there. It was fascinating to see the the TV side of things like a little different than your typical arena, you know, non televised event. Uh, it's a slick production. I was up in the uh, the, the press box at Canada Life Center. So I was looking down on the action and I actually could kind of see behind the scenes, like behind the the staging where the, the wrestlers would come out. And yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty neat. And to think, I think, you know, there was over 2 million people just in the U.S. alone that watched that. Like Winnipeg was, uh, was put on the international map. It's broadcast, what, in 60 different countries. Millions of people would have seen it. And, uh, I must admit, I'm a sucker for when the heel, the bad guy, comes out and just trash talks the town they're in. And Chad Gable, who is uh, a great heel, uh, he comes out. And I don't think this part was actually televised. This was during a commercial break. But he predictably ripped on Winnipeg. <laughs> and he went for the easy route. He ripped on the Jets, said uh, uh, his match was coming up. And he said, you know, their chances of winning are... Are, are zero and he, and he said in fact the only thing that there's less a chance of happening than than me losing the next match is the Winnipeg Jets winning the Stanley Cup and uh that actually got a go Jets go chant going inside <laughs> Canada Life Center uh they you know if the Jets were wanted to get some good marketing out of this they should almost clip what Chad Gable had to say they could uh, they could play it on the Jumbotron during breaks at Jets games, because that would probably get the crowd all riled up. Uh, it was great atmosphere. And then, yeah, the, you know, the, the Saturday event was just spectacular. Um, he, so many dignitaries there, you know, some hockey royalty. I must say, Huss, one of my personal highlights, and I'm writing a bit more on this today. Uh, I got to sit down with Serge Savard after the ceremony for about 10 minutes. Like, it felt like I was in the presence of royalty. You, you were there. You saw Serge. He looked great. You know, the three-piece suit and the Stanley Cup rings and just has this, this aura about him. And uh, it was great to sort of sit down. He, he actually shared a really neat story with, with me about the 1987 Canada Cup team and how Mike – and he was the GM of that team. And he said Mike Keenan – did not want Dale Howarchuk on that team. Uh, Keenan thought that he had too many centers and that he didn't have a place for for Dale Howarchuk. And uh, Serge Savard said, "You know, I I made it clear you got to get Dale Howarchuk on this team one way or another. I don't care where you put him. You gotta you gotta get him on the team." And of course, we all know how that kind of turned out with Howarchuk's role in in that terrific uh, game clinching goal that that the the team Canada scored so yeah it was it was a great ceremony statue looks awesome I uh, you know got to spend a little bit of time there with uh with Eric Dale's oldest son and then yesterday I got to spend a bit of time with Dale's youngest son 
who, of course, threw on the Howard Chuck jersey and hit the ice at Iceplex. What a cool little story that is, that he's trying out for the moose. Um, it was bizarre to see a Howard Chuck skating, <laughs> you know, on the ice here in Winnipeg. So just a, a real good moment for the organization and uh, and for the city and the community. It looked good on everybody. Well, you know, the entire day, and I mentioned this yesterday, I mean, but, uh, you know, from Mark Chipman right down to everyone that was involved in, um, you know, when putting that on and getting the statue made in the finished product, yeah. I mean, it was just absolutely first class. And, you know, you heard that from everyone that was involved in the day. Um, so it was a great day for the organization. It was an exciting day for the fan base and for the city. And then we went to the game and the excitement continued because of a young Finn that sounds like a Canadian wearing number 47. Um, it was wild. We didn't have a show on Friday because of the Truth and Reconciliation Day, Mike. Right. And, you know, we finished up on Thursday saying, oh, I'm looking forward to this game in Montreal tonight. We'll see what, you know, we get a chance to see. We came back on Monday and 95% of the Jets' conversations was about Brad Lambert. Um, you know, we saw what he did in his debut on the road. And then, listen, he caught a lot of people's eyes that were in the rink. I'm sure that were watching it. He brought us out of our seats on a few plays, including that beautiful goal that can't believe did an <laughs> offside challenge in the preseason. That was just absolutely uh, ridiculous. But Rick Bonus probably more than anyone catching his eye because of how much he played late in the game in the third period and in the overtime period. Um, I didn't think we'd be having this conversation, but here we are. Brad Lambert has sort of emerged as one of the great stories of camp with two preseason games remaining. So let me first of all say uh, an offside challenge in the preseason, that should be a misdemeanor. And going to a shootout in the preseason, that is a Class A felony. Uh, what are they going to do? Keep playing OT? Just end in a stupid tie. It's yeah, a stupid so, preseason. Listen, everyone that says this never buys a ticket. If you, You're telling me that we would have preferred just to walk out after that? Come on, Mike. That's a terrible take. I, I had a deadline to hit, Huss. Yeah. By the way, they also need to practice the shootout because right now it still is pretty damn important in the league. It shouldn't be as important if they got their senses together and got three point games for every game. But that is hey, another. That. that is a I total don't. another. That's the hill I will die on. But we could get very distracted. We could. Um, but yeah, the the big bad Brad era was born. Uh, that's a that's a mouthful to say. Credit to Nate Schmidt for coming up with uh, with one of the great nicknames. I mean, it's pretty simple, but it it's it's terrific. As Brad Lambert said when I asked him about it yesterday, I didn't think I was that big, but hey, I'll, I'll take it. Um, you know, and they're also calling him Lambo, and he looked like a pretty sleek sports car out there, didn't he? I mean, the kid can absolutely fly. Um, Rick Bonus yesterday, not that this was a great mystery, said he's already got NHL speed. And I, I would say, Huss, he's got elite NHL speed, like, you don't have to worry about Brad Lambert's ability to keep up with the pace of the NHL regular season. Um, you know, you could not have scripted a better introduction for this kid. We we know that he's a player that two years ago was being talked about as a potential top three, top five pick, and his stock fell significantly. And, you know, he was a little bit out of sight, out of mind, playing over in Europe 
playing in a men's league, you know, bigger, stronger men. As Brad Lambert talked yesterday with us, he said, you know, it's a real defensive oriented league. So guys aren't going to, you know, there's not crazy high scoring games like you might get in the Western Hockey League or the Ontario Hockey League. Guys aren't putting up huge stats. And when you're an 18 year old or in the case of Lambert, you know, 17 and 18 and you're playing against these bigger, stronger, older players like he was he wasn't on the top line or the top power play. He's kind of in a bottom six role. Not surprisingly, his numbers weren't really there and his confidence, you know, probably took a hit. Uh, his draft position certainly took a hit and it was you know, the Jets good fortune that that he fell to them. Uh, at that number 30 spot and yet this is a kid who's got all the tools in in the toolbox you know there's elements of his game that really do remind you of a Nikolai Ehlers you know a dynamic winger with the speed and the skill and and the flash and the dash Um, this this kid could truly be something special and I think we all had a sense of that but maybe the idea that he could be something special so soon is the real shocker here now I always hesitate to make snap judgments based on a couple preseason games. Um, you know, he hasn't faced elite opposition yet because nobody's dressing their A lineup in the preseason. But certainly what we've seen so far from Brad Lambert uh, makes you wonder if if it's a case of, of, you know, not if, but when. And when could be right away. Like, this is a guy that do they potentially give him a bit of a runway here in the regular season. And then they can decide on the whole entry level, whether they want to burn a year. Of course, he doesn't have a contract yet, which is kind of a curious. Yeah, just quickly on that. I mean, any thoughts? I mean, I heard Kenny say yesterday, I mean, maybe there's a bit of a back and forth on a signing bonus. He is a first rounder, but I'm sure his agent probably would like (laughs) him to have bonuses, maybe more like a top 10 pick where they expected him to go is where he's at. And, he, he certainly helped his case with these uh, last two games. Look, and if you're the Jets at this point, I don't see that being an obstacle. I mean, okay, we'll give you some extra bonuses because if he meets those bonuses, <laughs> that's that's good for everybody, right? Um, it was pointed out to me, Hassan, I'd have to go back and look, but I believe Mark Shifley, he didn't sign until like a day or two before like the Jets had drafted him first overall, and then he had the really strong first camp. And my understanding is he actually didn't sign until kind of the tail end of training camp. I don't think there's anything to worry about is my point. Um, it'll get done. Uh, and, you know, the only way I guess it it doesn't get done is if they're going to send him to the Western Hockey League, they don't have to sign him. If he's going to play for the Moose or the Jets, they got to get his name on a contract here in the next few days. And Haas, I'll say this just based on what I've seen, I'm not necessarily ready to anoint him as a top six winger at the age of 18 in, in the NHL regular season just yet. But I've seen enough already to suggest that keeping him around in Winnipeg, be it with the Jets or the Moose, is probably the best decision at this point. I don't really see the benefit now uh, of sending Brad Lambert to junior. Um yeah, he might be able to put up some monster numbers, but so what? Uh, is that really helping his development? A guy that's already been battle-tested against bigger, stronger, older men in Europe and now in a few exhibition games. To me, at this point, it's just a, a question of the Jets or the Moose. 
I suppose if they started him with the moose and maybe he has some struggles and, you know, they watch him for a bit and they think, eh, you know, maybe it'd be best for him to go to junior. You could always go that route. That's what they did with Billy Hanela a couple of years ago. If you'll recall, he made the Jets. Then he got sent to the Moose, played a few games. They decided that it's actually better to send him back overseas. Um, in, in Lambert's case, you'd always have that option. But I, I think, you know, and, and everything Rick Bonus said yesterday, Huss, um, he sure sounds like he's quite smitten with what he's seen and for good reason. Well, it, you're exactly right. And by the way, Shafe did, shout out to Remo for grabbing this. Shafley signed on the 3rd of October. And the first game was, I believe, the 9th. Right. So, you know, essentially end of the preseason, he led the National Hockey League in preseason yeah. scoring. They're like, uh, how the heck are we not going to have this guy in the lineup? And But then eventually was returned to junior. Um, and we know how all that finished up. Um, it is sort of wild. And I mean, I, I am... I listen. I'm as excited as anyone. I mean, I was at that game. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, thrilling to see what he was doing out there, and it was also really cool to see Rick Bonus continue to throw him yeah. back out there. And I'm not sure maybe we would have seen that under prior regimes. All of that being said, Mike, though, I mean, this is two exhibition games against you know lineups that don't even come close to resembling NHL lineups with what we're going to see, but. In your opinion, what's at stake for Brad Lambert tomorrow night, presuming Friday, if he gets back in there? And how realistic is it that he might start the season a la Shifley with a little bit of a uh, a chance to show what he can do at the NHL level right out of the gate? Well, I'll tell you what's fascinating to me, Huss, and that is the lineup that the Jets are presumably going to roll out tomorrow. I don't think it's a coincidence that Brad Lambert is going to play on a line with Cole Perfetti. Now, Dominic Toninato is going to be in between them, and I already see some people on Twitter <laughs> losing their minds over that. Um, there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, Mark Shifley starting the year with Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. So you're playing, you're, you're not breaking up other lines just to maybe see what other guy. You want to get the Shifley line going. There's only two games left. Right. Number two, Pierre-Luc Dubois is nicked up. And he missed practice yesterday. He was back out there today. That's a good sign. It's nothing serious, but he's not playing tomorrow. So what center would you like Lambert and Perfetti? And I guess some would argue we'll put Perfetti at center, but Perfetti's not going to be playing center when the season starts. And again, you're trying to build towards the season. You're not moving Cole Perfetti and then putting another winger with Lambert and him you're not throwing everything into disruption here. Dominic Toninato, first of all, he's a very defensively responsible guy, which presumably will allow the likes of Perfetti and Lambert to kind of wheel and deal and, and you know, maybe not have to worry so much about that. Um, again, Lowry is going to be playing tomorrow with, with uh, Barron and Appleton because it's Morgan Barron's first game, and that's where they think Morgan Barron is going to start the year with Appleton and Lowry. That was the plan. So, you know, I see this Toninato. What are they doing? Who would you like to be in that spot when Dubois can't go tomorrow? Um, so I wouldn't put any stock into who the center is, but I would suggest that a very good game from that line, specifically the two wingers, and it's pretty clear Toninato's the placeholder on that spot for Dubois, 
But, you know, Blake Wheeler is the guy that's supposed to be on the right side with Perfetti and Dubois. Blake Wheeler's not going to play tomorrow. Um, what if Brad Lambert looks really good with Cole Perfetti? Does that give Rick Bonus and others sort of pause for thought to say, hey, what if we put Dubois between those guys and then we could maybe move Wheeler down to the third line with Lowry and whatever, Appleton, Barron? Um, you know, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it is an interesting situation to keep an eye on for sure. And I do wonder if Dubois wasn't nicked up, might we see Lambert with Dubois and Perfetti tomorrow? And I don't know the answer to that, but that is something to really watch closely. Uh, and I suspect Haas, Brad Lambert's going to play not only tomorrow, I'd be shocked if he's not also playing on Friday, because I think they really want to see what they have. And there's a good chance the lineup that that Calgary fields tomorrow is going to be on the weaker side. But I do suspect the return game on Friday, that will basically be your NHL team for the Flames. And I think the Jets will want to dress, you know, close to their NHL roster. So, you know, two big games on the horizon here, obviously not just for Brad Lambert, for a number of players that are on the bubble. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see what this kid can do against some stiffer competition and perhaps with some more talented line mates than he's had so far. Yeah. You know, you make a great point. Um, anything to make about Wheeler not being in the lineup? I mean, you, you sort of, I guess, speculated that, you know, they're looking to see Brad Lambert seems like a guy that if he's going to play, you're going to want to have him in an offensive role with some players that, you know, are fast can keep up. Right. But, and I guess with Wheeler, I mean, they know what they've got with Blake Wheeler. I mean, whether he plays in this or both preseason games, I think Rick Bonus, even being a new coach, certainly from the organization standpoint, knows what they have in Blake Wheeler when they drop the puck on the 14th of October. They do, and and Blake has played two of the first four games. I don't think he was ever going to play four out of six. I expect Blake Wheeler's playing the final game on, on Friday. So it was probably as much about that. And I think also with Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of being nicked up and not playing tomorrow. Again, if you were going to put Wheeler in tomorrow, you're probably playing him in a spot that he wasn't, like, where would he go? If you want to have the Shifley line, a, another game with that line intact. If you want to see Lowry with Appleton and Barron to see what you have there. You know, it, it, I'm not sure where Blake Wheeler's spot was. So I think it just makes sense on a number of levels to, you know, they got 15 forwards in camp. They can only dress 12. Blake Wheeler was an easy one to sit out. And then the other two, Dubois, and it looks like Jansen Harkins, which is interesting because Harkins, to me, does not have a job sewn up at this point. But he also has been banged up the last couple of days, didn't skate yesterday, was back on the ice today. Uh, if I'm Jansen Harkins, I'm watching tomorrow's game nervously because uh, there's a lot of guys that he's fighting for work against who are going to be in the lineup and good showings by them could ultimately be uh be costly for him well I, i'm with you on that i mean i was you know sitting with some fellas at the game on saturday saying i mean if there's one guy that needs to stand out and have a great game in the predicament that he's in it's jansen harkins and right and went the opposite way had to miss some time and obviously isn't in this game going forward how likely is it that Manaline and the gus bus and gagne the fourth line when the puck drops against the Rangers next Friday. 
Well, I think there's a, a very good chance of that. And, you know, things are starting to come into focus here in terms of these lineup decisions. You know, to me, Huss, I look at the 15 forwards that are left in camp. To me, 10 of them are absolute locks. They're not going anywhere. Um, Shifley, Connor Ehlers, Dubois, Wheeler, Perfetti, Lowry, Appleton, Gagne, and Barron. To me, those 10 are on the team. That means that there's five guys battling for three remaining spots because I expect the Jets will have 13 forwards. You've got Lambert, Manalainen, Harkins, Ananato, and Gustafson. Now, Gustafson would actually need waivers to be sent down to the Moose, so I think you can pretty much say that he's on the team whether it's as in the top 12 or as the 13th guy, they're not going to risk losing David Gustafson. So now really you're down to four guys for two spots. And it's interesting to me, Lambert and Manalainen, who have both had really good camps, they don't need waivers. Ananato and Harkins, they would need waivers. And I guess when it comes down to these decisions, one thing that Rick Bonus and no doubt Kevin Shevoldayev are going to have to, to, to weigh here is, are they willing to risk, if they feel that Lambert and or Manalainen have earned a spot over Toninato and or Harkins, are you risking losing one or both of Toninato and Harkins to make room for those guys? Uh, and, and that's a decision that's going to have to come now in the next few days. And it's going to be you know, fascinating to see how it all shakes out. Um, similar decisions on the blue line where you know, there's 10 D in camp, Morrissey, Pionk, Schmidt, Dylan, DeMello, those guys are all on the team, of course. To me, it's down to Stanley, Anola, Sandberg, Kovacevic, Bianco. That's five guys for three spots, because I suspect they'll keep mm. 8D. And again, Stanley, he'd need waivers. I don't think the Jets are risking losing him for nothing. Kovacevic and Bianca, they would both need waivers. And I'd be really leery about putting Johnny Kovacevic on waivers. So I wonder if on the blue line, Papa Bianco, okay, you probably are okay with risking it. He probably clears. And then is it down to one of Hanola or Sandberg that's going to be in your eight? Uh, and the other guy who doesn't need waivers goes to the moose. I mean, these are all things that are going to have to be factored in. And it's why, Haas, to sum it all up, I still wouldn't rule out a trade in the coming days uh, as this lineup becomes clear and other teams around the league are they're getting into a same spot. Some teams are seeing where they maybe have strengths and weaknesses. If you're the Jets and Kevin Chevaldeoff, are you working the phones potentially uh, to find a spot for a guy that maybe doesn't have a spot on your roster, but you want to get get him out of the picture so that he's not blocking someone else's path? Yeah, I mean, that's a conversation we've had for a long time. And, you know, with the lack of real significant action through July and August, um, we have been talking about this for weeks that, you know, once the dust sort of settles on the lineup through training camp, there certainly could be the opportunity for potentially another move. I'm with you on Stanley. I think he would get picked up for sure on waivers. There will be another general manager that says, okay, we'll give this guy a shot. Right. Johnny Kovacevic, I sort of, I'm with the theory of that. I mean, I think he would be attractive, especially at his rate, at his age, for a team that, you know, was probably not very deep on the blue line. As far as the forwards go, uh, and this is why I would be nervous if I am Jansen Harkins right now. Um, every team at this point 
is in a tough spot. They, oh, who do we have to keep? I mean, right. you really have to stand out, I think, to be a guy that gets plucked off the waiver wire when there's 150 guys going on waivers basically at the same time. Yes. And I would almost put Toninato in that uh, in that equation as well. And listen, do they plan on having those guys on the Manitoba Moose? No, probably not. I mean, certainly with the contracts that they have right now. However, Mike, um, that's part of the thing that Rick Bonus said right off the bat that, you know, people are going to earn their way onto the team or get themselves cut. And right. If you believe that as it was stated to the media and presumably the players as well, I think it really does bring a ton of intrigue going into these final couple of games, especially considering Harkins isn't even in the lineup and we know Toninato has essentially taken the spot of Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's not able to go. Right, and you know you, you probably don't want to be the, quote, placeholder at this point in time because it's... Oh. Uh, it's not necessarily a good omen for what might be to come. And look, let's not forget about the waiver rules for those who maybe aren't familiar with it. Other teams can't just collect, you know, other teams, players, like like baseball cards and just hold on to them. Like if, if someone wanted to claim Jansen Harkins, for example, off waivers, you have to include Jansen Harkins on your 23-man roster. I believe it's a 30-day window that you'd have to keep him at the NHL level, and then if the team wanted to send him back down, like uh, to, to the minors, to their farm system, the team that he got claimed from uh, would have the first right to get him back. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. There's going to be a wave of players hit waivers here in the next couple of days. Um, to me, the guys that you'd really, you know, again, Logan Stanley, David Gustafson, which is why I don't think the Gus bus um, – you know, I, I think he's probably your fourth line center to start the season. But even if he's the 13th forward, I don't think he's the 14th or 15th forward is, is what I'm saying, because there's no way they'd risk losing David Gustafson on waivers because another team would absolutely pick him up. Um, yeah, Kovacevic is interesting for sure. Um, it just, you know, we know there's some teams out there that Toronto Maple Leafs certainly are, are hurting on the blue line. They would have seen a guy like uh, Johnny Kovacevic play against the Marlies a lot over the last couple seasons. Uh, but again, they couldn't just grab the player and then park him in their farm system. They'd have to keep him on the roster. So it, it'll be interesting. And these are all the decisions that I suspect are now going to have to get hashed out. And it's why tomorrow's game to me is, is so vital for all these guys. I think we're going to see all of these guys, save for Jansen Harkins, that we've identified as kind of fighting for jobs. They're all going to play tomorrow, I suspect. And how that shakes out, you know, the Jets are off on Thursday, Haas. We may see pretty much the final cuts. You know, I don't know that the Jets are going to get down exactly to 23 by Friday when they head to Calgary and then stay in Alberta for a few days in Banff. But I don't think they're taking everybody that's currently in camp. I, I think maybe they bring two extra players at most um, and then kind of figure it out as, as camp concludes. But um, you know, I think for a lot of guys tomorrow is the last chance. No, there's no doubt about it. Now taking it back to the blue line for a minute, I, I wouldn't be surprised at this point if, and this, I wouldn't have said this before. I probably wouldn't have even said this in the off season, 
that Logan Stanley might be a guy that could be on the move. And, and right. I think it really does come down to their level of confidence that Dylan Sandberg is a guy that's ahead of him on the depth chart. And then Vili Hanel is a unique player. And whether Vili is with the Moose or whether he's with the club right now has a unique package that I think at some point, whether it's right now or later on this season, needs to have a, an extended run in the lineup so the Jets truly know what they have in this player at the NHL level. Um, but when you think about Stanley's camp, his performance in the preseason games and the competition that he's getting and the value that I think he still would have around the league. I wouldn't be surprised at some point they sort of read like re it's basically reading the room. And if the five veterans are sticking around and you've got these other two young guys that you want to be in the mix, maybe that's a player that would actually have some value elsewhere in the league that might be the player that could be moved. And then the question is, if they are moving one of those players, are they trying to bring back another forward? Or are they trying to replace a draft pick or two that they used up to acquire the likes of Brandon Dillon and Nate Schmidt last season? For sure. And, you know, I know there's a lot of folks in social media that think Logan Stanley has very little value. You can believe what you want. That's just not no. true. And, you know, again, the guy on Twitter with, three followers in the egg avatar. Uh, he doesn't have more contacts in the NHL world than say Kevin shovel day off general managers talk. They hear things, you know, scouts talk, all that. The jets protected Logan Stanley in the expansion draft because they knew Logan Stanley would get selected if they exposed him. And they also know based on calls, they fielded over the years and interest and whatnot, that a guy like Logan Stanley, you know, is valuable certainly to some teams out there. So, uh, you know, I, I think they would know now and maybe have a clearer picture now that they've seen guys like Sandberg and Vili Hanela, obviously Johnny Kovacevic, Declan Chisholm, he was sent down the other day, but another guy, you know, Leon Gavanke, and they've added some other depth here. You know, Kyle Capabianca, a guy we don't talk about much, but he's got some games under his belt, NHL experience. He's still in camp. Ashton Sautner, he just got sent down. He cleared waivers yesterday. But they have some real depth on the blue line. And it may, as you say, Haas, leave them in a position where they would now start to call around to see what, what they might be able to get for a guy like Logan Stanley, especially if they feel that Stanley's blocking the path of somebody else and, you know, that they want to, they don't want to have to make a decision just to get just to keep Stanley on the roster at someone else's expense, how could we maybe turn this negative into a positive, if you will? Well, I mean, we kind of had done a good job of addressing the Stanley situation. As far as the two players that can go back and are waivers exempt, it's Billy Hanela and it's Dylan Sandberg on the blue line. And, you know, I don't think Dylan Sandberg's really stood out either way. Um, but maybe that's what you want in a young defenseman that's going in just to sort of be steady and take care of what he needs to do. Billy's right. very different than that. I mean, he stood out in multiple ways. Um, and Saturday was a perfect example of it. I mean, the first goal behind Connor Hellebuck was a giveaway by Billy Hanela that was quickly in the back of the net. But to his credit, um, Rick Bonus stuck by him. He looked really good moving the puck on the power play. I think that's a big, big benefit for him as well and seemed to have some real confidence and ended up getting on the score sheet later right. on as well. When you're thinking about the two, I mean, if it did come down to a decision for October 14th to be on the roster or in the lineup, 
between Billy Hanel and Dylan Sandberg, assuming that they had to send one of the other guys back for numbers. Where are you at on that right now, Mike, heading into these final two games? You know, I flip-flopped on that, and probably a few days ago, I would have said I would have Sandberg ahead of Billy Hanela, but I think I would now actually go the other route, Huss. And a big part of that is because of what we saw from Billy and how he was used the other night on Saturday. I think that was a bit of a tell. Um, yes, he had the, you know, the tough giveaway, which it was interesting to hear Rick Bonus after the game. In a way, he kind of absolved Billy of a lot of the blame on that play. He actually put the emphasis on the forwards for kind of abandoning the zone and not giving Billy Hanelum much option there in terms of an outlet. That aside, he was quarterbacking PP1 the other day. And it's worth noting, Huss, no Josh Morrissey wasn't in the lineup the other night, but Neil Pionk was. And I thought it was really interesting to see Billy out there. And not only out there, he looked absolutely poised and polished. Um, and uh, Brad Lauer, uh, he spoke today following practice this morning down at Iceplex. Rick Bonus uh, and his, his uh, voice box got the day off. But Brad Lauer is running the power play this season for the Jets. He raved about what he saw from Billy Hanela on the power play on Saturday night. And he talked about how it's a real point of emphasis for the Jets this year to get better in that department. Um, you know, if the Jets want to use Neil Pionk in a penalty killing role this year, um, they obviously want to manage minutes. And one way to potentially do that would be to bump a guy like Pionk maybe off the power play or at least reduce how much he's being used. How could they accomplish that? Well, if Billy Hanela is in your lineup, and he's a guy that you feel is that's where he's most comfortable is out there kind of quarterback in the power play. Uh, you know, that's probably his ticket in the lineup. So I would agree on Sandberg. He's had a fairly quiet camp. I think for a player like him, though, he's never going to blow the doors off, you know, with with end to end rushes or anything like that. You actually probably want him to almost not be noticeable. If he's noticeable, it's probably for the wrong reasons. Like he's bad positioning or bad reads or a terrible giveaway. And so he's been quiet, which I think for him is okay. Um, I just wonder though, if, if Billy Hanelin, what Rick bonus and company have seen from him. And again, we know where Rick bonus just came from, right? Dallas, some really dynamic young defense and Mira Heisken and Essa Lindell, John Klingberg. Just wonder how much of some of those guys Rick bonus sees in a Billy Hanelin is kind of salivating at what, what they might be able to do, especially with this push towards a more aggressive uh, defense involved in the offense. I mean, all of that, you're talking Billy Hanel's language at that point. Yeah, you know what? You mentioned Neil Pionk. I'm interested in your perspective on what we've seen from him so far. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets need a big bounce-back season for Pionk. I mean, I really think that ever since he took the flying knee from Spezza in that Toronto right. game, he was sort of off last year. Um what have you thought of him so far? And where is he at right now? I mean, it's Morrissey and DeMello. It's Dylan and Schmidt. You've got Billy and playing with Dylan Sandberg today. And Neil Pilonk was paired up with Logan Stanley. I mean, anything to take from that right now at this point in camp, Mike? Yeah, it really is is hard to get a gauge on it. I, I don't know if you caught the interview that we did with Neil Pionk the other day. It was really interesting. He revealed something that most of us, like all of us covering the team, had no idea about. He was playing with a broken foot last year for the last two months of the season. Um, 
I should I should clarify. He didn't flat out say it was broken, um, but he talked about taking a slapper from uh, Jamie Ben in Dallas in February, and how ultimately it took six to eight weeks into the off season for the bone to heal. The implication was that the bone was broken. Um, so Neil Pionk admitted last year was not up to his standards uh, for himself, obviously for the team. Um, there were also some other injuries earlier in the year that he kind of battled through. So, you know, again, I, I haven't watched Neil Pionk all that closely in camp because I would put him in a similar vein as a lot of the other, quote, veteran players. What they do in camp, I mean, they're just trying not to get hurt, work off the rust, things like that. Um, so, you know, Neil Pionk, no, he hasn't looked tremendous in the preseason, but I didn't expect him to. Um, but where he slots in and how Rick Bonus utilizes, you know, his top six and where Neil Pionk, who he's paired with, uh, is certainly a, a question. And I don't have the answer to it because it seems like he's really moved around a lot here, Haas, um, in these early days of camp and now well into camp. And so it's hard to say exactly who he might be paired with. And again, I think a lot of that depends on who the sixth defenseman is in the lineup whether it's Billy, whether it's Logan Stanley, whether it's Dylan Sandberg, and, you know, then matching the strengths and weaknesses and whatnot with the rest of your blue liners. Hey, Mike, just before we go, um, teams heading out to Banff. What do we know about the schedule of the uh, of the club? They're going to play this game. Are they going straight to Banff from Calgary after the last exhibition game? Or um, what do we know about what the team's going to be up to before the home opener next week? Well, what we know, Huss, is I'm really taking one for the team, and I'm heading out to Banff as well. Real <laughs> tough assignment. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a nightmare out there. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Thoughts and prayers to you. Exactly. Uh, so the schedule is this. The Jets are actually going to take – so they'll play Friday night in Calgary. They're going to take Saturday off. I under, they're going to be in Banff on Saturday. I think they're probably golfing or going skiing or whatever, uh, you know, Hiking. They're going to do some team bonding on Saturday. And then uh, uh, they're going to practice three practices in Banff. Sunday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning. So there is an arena out in Banff. I'm told it's extremely cold. I'm also told it has next to no Wi-Fi. Um, but it should be a, an interesting experience for sure. So they'll hold the three practices. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. They'll charter back to Winnipeg Tuesday night. Uh, they'll be off next Wednesday. They'll have one final practice next Thursday here in Winnipeg. And then, of course, the home opener next Friday uh, against the Rangers. So that's why I say I expect the roster more or less to be formed by the time they they head out to Calgary. And, you know, I guess if there's any other decisions left to be made about the roster, they could potentially happen on Saturday um, because I think they want to bring the team to Banff. Yeah. I don't think they want to bring camp. They're treating Banff as as the team and getting ready for the regular season as opposed to an extension of training camp. So well, that'll it'll be, be interesting. It'll be said, interesting to see for sure. Yeah, who's on that trip and of course who's in the lineup on the 14th of October. Mike, thanks so much for doing this. Uh sucks to be you having to go to Banff to follow that, but uh, I'm sure you'll have a good time and we'll look forward to uh, hearing all about it next week on WST and following it in the Winnipeg Free Press. Thanks so much. Right on, Huss. Have a great week. Thanks so much. All right, great stuff with Mike McIntyre. Uh, we're going to hook up with Dave Naylor in just a second. 
A big, uh, don't forget, Bombers Elks this weekend. Princess Auto Tailgate Party is the place to be before the game. Six o'clock start. It'll get going around four o'clock. $5 beers, $3.50 popping hot dogs. And what's uh, an amazing atmosphere is that uh, the entire scene around there gets better and better before every game. Uh, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of the Bombers. Two locations in Winnipeg, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And just as we bring Dave on, a hydration break for our friends at Culligan Water, celebrating 65 years in the business. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them, 1200 Sargent Avenue. Give them a call at 694-5180 and online at drinkculligan.com. And speaking of that bomber game coming up, you uh, can get your uh, Canadian Club and ginger ale there as well. If you haven't tried it already, it's available in six packs, ready to drink at your favorite beer store, Manitoba Liquor Mart. But as the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the CC will be flowing. And if you haven't tried it, you can pick up the CC and ginger at the Princess Auto Tailgate Party or at IG Field when the Bombers look to go 14-2 and against the Edmonton Elks. All right, speaking of the Bombers in the Canadian Football League and the little NFL, let's bring in TSN's football insider, Dave Naylor, back to WST. Nails, what's going on? It's great to have you back on the show. Been a while, Hustler. Good to talk to you. Hey, you've been busy lately. I mean, bouncing back and forth between the three-down game and the four-down game, uh, getting a few air miles, I'm sure. It's been uh, but a lot of fun right now, certainly getting to the stretch of the Canadian Football League season, and we'll start there and then maybe get to a little bit of uh, NFL talk as well. But uh, yeah, nice to be home for a couple of days. Yeah, it has. It's been busy, you know, but it's funny. Uh, I think after two, two and a half years of, of being at home, all of a sudden, you know, crazy turnarounds and travel, uh, you kind of welcome them a little bit. Got to got to make up for some lost time here. Got to got to get some air miles going. No doubt about it. Well, let's start with the big story here in Winnipeg today. Uh, mm. Kyle Walters uh, pulling the trigger on a trade and bringing Alden Darby back to Winnipeg um, for a defensive end that just played on the weekend in the place of Jackson Jeffcoat. Um, what do you think of this deal? Is Hamilton, like many teams, essentially open for business right now, considering where they sit in the standings? Yeah, I, I think they are, and and I think you know you you probably have some you know, positional need that's that's driving that as well. Obviously, right? That they they've had some injuries on their defensive line, and Winnipeg, of course, with Mercy Maston out, with Demario Houston out, with Nick Taylor going out recently, they have some uh, they have some needs as well, and you've got. Uh, you know, you've got a situation where you're bringing in a player that was part of your mix last year, you know, did this exact same thing, came in part way through the year, gave you good play. And so you get a known quantity at a position of need. And it tells you, you know, that the Bombers must feel pretty good about the way they are on their front seven heading into the playoffs. But I think, you know, shoring up that secondary is something that that is going to, I think, was more of their priority. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And Mike O'Shea confirmed today after practice that it does look like Nick Taylor's out for the season. So yeah, we kind of uh, heard that was that was the very strong likelihood, of, you know, from the time that injury happened. Yeah, yeah, and Donald Rutledge as well, who's a guy that's been playing quite a bit, sure. nicked up. So it, it obviously seems like there's needs. You know, we were just popping this out in the, the not question of the day with our uh, the folks that are with us uh, on the show today, Dave. But do you think Kyle Walters has more up his sleeve right now? Or, I mean, this team's 13-2. and two. 
you know, the secondary, I think, was a place where they wanted to get someone. They've mm-hmm. got it. It's a guy they know. He's won a great mm-hmm. cup here. Um, do you expect any more moves from the Blue Bombers, or uh, is this a team that's ready to run it back again? You know, I don't. Just and, and, and for a few reasons. One, you know, historically, the CFL trade deadline has not been – a time the teams make massive moves. The, the, the Zach Caleros trade of 2019 being the exception. I still remember October the 11th, I think it was, I broke that trade from the back of an airplane that was sitting on the tarmac in Washington, D.C. on my way to Stillwater, Oklahoma to see Chuba Hubbard play. But anyway, <laughs> speaking of travel, but uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, the, po- the point being that I don't, you know, and, and I think football teams, if you have an area of need to address, and we, you know, we isolated one for the Bombers, but I, I don't look at their team and say, you know, here's where they need to upgrade. I mean, they, you know, the Ellingson injury, I guess, is one you kind of look at and say there's a premier receiver who's been out for a long time, uh, you know, Waltarski out as well. Um, you know, maybe some depth of receiver, but the, you know, they've got some guys they can play there, even like they've used Greg McRae that way, you know, as, as well as in the backfield. Uh, and they've certainly, you know, done well with Dalton Schoen this year. And, and I, and I think Rashid Bailey's kind of had a, a strong year as well. So has there been more opportunity to catch the ball? Has there been some of their guys out of the lineup? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't see a, a great need to add to a Winnipeg team now. Yeah. Um, the, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of with you as well, Dave. I mean, uh, you know, the way this team has played throughout the year. I mean, last year was the kicker. Um, you know, Mark yeah, Leggio. obvious need. You can see it. A, it, a potential weakness that could have undermined their entire season. Absolutely. No, exactly. And I don't think that's there right now. Um, big needs in other CFL markets. Um, and we may as well start off with needing a coach in Ottawa. Um, listen, Paul Apolise is a beloved guy here. Um, did an incredible job with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, helping the team win those great cups uh, or the first great cup. But six and twenty-two is six and twenty-two, even with the tough hand they were dealt with the loss of Jeremiah Masoli. Um, but what was up with the timing of this? I mean, often you know, mid-season coaching changes, especially at this point, certainly don't do much. Was this a matter of Sean Burke making the decision, and they are already into next year's season? And how are things going to work with Bobby Dice uh, over the course of the last few games for the Red Blacks? But to answer your first question, kind of. You know, I, I don't think the Red Blacks philosophically believed in firing a coach to get a bounce for this season. You know, and I think that's I think that's smart. I think that very rarely in football, uh, as I sometimes say, uh, we have a very hockey mentality about firing football coaches in this country because uh, we learn all the lessons from hockey where you can fire the coach with eight days left in the regular season and win the Stanley Cup. Doesn't work like that in football. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I, I think part of it was the fact that they feel like you know this, they haven't officially turned the page to 2023 because until you're mathematically eliminated, no one's ever going to say that. But let's you know, be honest. We don't think the Ottawa Red Blacks are going on a run here. And so, and I think that given the, the compounding of the losses and the mood at home games, you know, this is a team that hasn't won a home game in over a year. The offense has struggled. Paul Apolise was brought in as the offensive guy to fix the, off, fix the offense. I don't think, I think just as an organization, they didn't want another home game with Paul Lapolis coaching on the sidelines because I think he's just, you know, he's become a lightning rod. It's not really fair to him. And so once they knew there was no way they're bringing him back next season, once they knew there's almost nothing to play for this year, it was like, okay, you know, let's, let's move him out of the way that we got to solve this play calling issue because they set up a staff with nobody who was an experienced play caller. Uh, 
Bob Dice has had a lot of experience in offense, but the issue with him is, you know, special teams has been the best unit for the Red Blacks the last two years. So do you want the guy who runs your best unit now taken away from that? Uh, I thought, saw A.J. Jakubik reported today they've added Corey McDermott, a longtime CFL coach to their staff. He's going to be focused on special teams, and Bob Dice is still not clarified whether, you know, who will be involved in calling the plays, whether it be him. I, I tend to think it might be him if they've added Corey McDermott to the staff. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, you know, I had heard that there was the idea that they might do something by committee involving uh, Will Arndt, their quarterback coach, and maybe even Jeremiah Mazzoli. But I'm I'm now hearing that's maybe less likely. And remember, they went from commit for, by committee last year or in 2019 at one point, and it uh, they probably don't want to bring back any memories of that because that didn't go very well. So, uh, look, I think I one thing we can say for sure, and and Sean Burke made this. Uh, clear uh, when I talked to him the other day without me asking Bob Dice is a candidate for this job no question a guy highly respected by the players and and he will certainly get consideration as as the next head coach of the Red Blacks I think the next head coach of the Red Blacks will be doing only that job you know you look at the model uh, in Winnipeg where you know Mike O'Shea you know he's the guy's the head coach right and in, in Hamilton Orlando Steinauer where Sean Burke comes from he's the head coach I think they thought that Having the head coach also being your play caller and offensive coordinator, you know, compromise some things this year. And and ultimately, I'd be surprised if that's the direction that Ottawa goes when they get around to hiring the next coach. Hey, one more in the CFL before we flip over to the four down game. Uh, we've got Edmonton coming in this week. And I mean, you just we're talking about Edmonton and Ottawa. I mean, it was the most perfect scenario and result where they both beat each other on the road and stunk it up at home against both of those teams. <laughs> They had the win right there for themselves on Saturday, yeah, and a hundred-yard yeah. pick six goes the other way. Um, have they? Has Chris Jones accomplished anything this season so far, Dave? Well, I think he's got some playmakers, right? I think I will. Well, look, we know here's what he's accomplished. Okay, start of the season, they had what eight quarterbacks in camp, had no idea who was going to be their starter. The guy who started the year at number four, you know, wound up with the job. Uh, they know Taylor Cornelius is going to be their quarterback next season. You know, they've, they've made a bet on him, right? And remember, the back half of that contract is guaranteed, so they can't walk away from that contract, you know, six weeks into next year and say, oh, we're going with the next guy. Uh, you know, I think you look at a running back like Kevin Brown. You know, he looks like a guy who can lead your team in, in, in the ground game. Uh, you know, he's he's come in and, and performed very, very well. You know, it looks like a guy who's perfectly suited to the, the CFL game. You look, like a, look at a receiver like Dylan Mitchell, you know, who's a guy who's, you know, was a drafted guy from the University of Oregon. University of Oregon guys seem to do well in the CFL. He can play teams. Yeah, I, they've got some pieces. And I, and I joked about a month ago on the panel one night. I said Chris Jones running training camp for 21 weeks there. But I really think that you know, not quite literally, but that's what you should do. It's really hard to rebuild a CFL roster in one off season and two and a half weeks of training camp. It's a much longer process than that. Chris Jones doesn't have any pressure to win this year. He's got pressure to find the pieces that are going to be the future of this team. And, and I'll tell you, we, we all had a strong feeling on the panel the other night. We thought Edmonton was going to win that game. And, and without being disrespectful to Montreal, I mean, they should have, right? I mean, they got two drives, one, you know, both of which end in interceptions and, and, you know, basically shut Montreal down for that second half. So I, I do, I, I will be very surprised if by the net middle of next season, you know, the Edmonton Elks are not a team that's, you know, competing at the, at the upper tier of that division. I, I see the signs of, of what it takes to build a team and take them from the bottom on upward. And that's, that's what it looks to me like what Chris Jones is doing. 
Actually, one more quick one on the CFL. I've got to talk Riders. Bombers have owned the Riders for the last couple seasons, oh. swept them. Um, it's been a very disappointing season in Saskatchewan, especially considering they're hosting the Great Cup. How significant might the changes be in the offseason um, at this point, Dave? Well, I mean, you're right. There's a few things that, first of all, there's the record, whatever they are, like two and eight in the last 10 or so. And I and I apologize if I've got that wrong. Uh, no, look, it's not like they're getting smoked, right? And and they the before la before the game Friday night, they lost two of their three, uh, two of their last three losses had been by two points, right? Which you, when you lose by two points, you're talking about you know, handful of plays, sometimes one play. So I I know the losses are added up. It's not like they're getting they're getting pounded, but I think there's some things that compound it. One you mentioned, the Grey Cup is there. Whether or not it should change expectations, it always does. And the other one is they can't beat their nemesis, you know, and that's. That's that's a big part when three times a year you got to get pounded by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, right? And that's not only meaningful in the standings, it's meaningful in the sort of souls of Ryder fans that <laughs> don't, don't like to experience that kind of thing and look at those games as kind of measuring stick games. So, And, and I think it's also been a, just a very loud season. You had the COVID, you had the Garrett Marino, and you know, a lot of noise around the team. And I, I think there could be significant changes. I think they could involve the quarterback and they could involve the head coach, which are – Let's be honest, those are the two places every organization goes first when they want to change things from one year to the next. Dave Naylor, TSN Football Insider, guest here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, and Nails, as I mentioned, you've been very busy doing a great job with the latest news and info for the Canadian Football League, but you've also been following the National Football League very closely, being on the road as well. Um, we only have one undefeated team right now, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Funny enough, who only have a one-game lead over the Cowboys without Dak Prescott and the three-and-one New York Giants. Um, what do you make of the Eagles? Are they the team to beat right now in the NFC? And where do you put them in the hierarchy of the real Super Bowl contenders right now that we thought were going into the season? You know, it's funny you you, you mentioned how you know only one undefeated team and and the Raiders won yesterday, so now everybody's won a game. It's like you you really do see the parody of the NFL reflected in just take a look at the betting line. Find how many games are two and a half or three and a half point spreads. It's crazy. Like a lot. <laughs> and and that just, I mean, that tells you how close things are in the NFL. You know, uh, David Sanchez and I went to the Eagles camp this summer when we were on our, our NFL tour. And, you know, I, I think one of the things you, you looked at with that team was that the, just what AJ Brown you know brought to that offense. And when you put him, you know, uh, up with Devontae Smith, and they split the field, how difficult that makes them to defend. I mean, it was it was amazing kind of just the the, the buzz and the aura that, that adding A.J. Brown had done to that team. And the big thing for me was, you know, Jalen Hurts entered this season as a 62% completion percentage passer in the NFL. And I don't have his numbers on my fingertips right now, but I've, you know, I've been following them over the course of the year. And that he's really stepped up. You know, in, in just in terms of the percentage of passes that he's com that he's completing, and so they've got elevated play out of him. You know, they've got a strong defense with two you know elite corners, which again, same way they've got two elite receivers, that allows you to do things that other teams can't do, and they can do that on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, I, I think before the season, I remember even when we were going to Philadelphia. Uh, Sanchez and I were in New York with the Giants before, and we were talking about you know where we were going the next day. And he, he kind of you know we, it was the first time we kind of looked at the roster and dug into it and talked about it. And he he was in awe, you know, just in terms of the personnel that they that the Eagles are bringing forward. So 
uh, in a division that is, I look, the Giants are three and one. Man. Like, it's, that's a very unpredictable t- division. We weren't expecting that. Uh, but I, like, it's early. But yeah, I think the Eagles certainly have lived up to expectations, perhaps exceeded them, and, and they're going to be in that conversation. Jerry Jones says a lot of stuff in Dallas, loves to hear his own voice. Um, but he did say that, oh, he'd love to have a quarterback controversy when Dak Prescott comes back. Are they on the verge of actually having that? Uh, listen, he's got the 160 million, so that's not going anywhere. But this is a league about winning football games. And I got to say this, Cooper Rush has been a great story early on this season. And all he's done when he's had the opportunity to play is win. Well, I was going to go back to to what Jerry Jones had said about Tony Romo after his first couple of starts, right? And people forget that Tony Romo was not the Tony Romo of, you know, the name value that he has today. He was he was essentially a Cooper Rush kind of guy. And Tony Romo didn't even play like Division 1A football, right? He won Eastern the, Illinois. Yeah, exactly. He was a, he was a one what they used to call one double A guy. Same uh, you know, won the uh, Walter Payton award, the same award that Dave Dickinson won. You know, the outstanding player at that level. Anyway, I digress. But, but Romo had only had two or three starts, and Jerry Jones referred to the media to a, one of his elements of his game as vintage Romo, which doesn't sound hilarious now, but it did after he'd only had three starts, right? And so my point is that there's a pattern here of Jerry Jones jumping the gun on the greatness of his quarterbacks who have barely played for him. Now, on the Romo one, he was right. I mean, you know, that may have looked presumptuous at the time, but Tony Romo did evolve into the guy that, you know, Jerry Jones sort of suggested he was. And now he's done it again. The difference being this time, you know, there's a guy in his early prime with a monster contract in his way. And, and as you suggested, kind of before we got into this, Hustler, the, the money and the contract will always dictate the playing time. I mean, unless Dak falls on his face. Uh, and Jerry, you know, has, has some in, obviously a lot of influence on that team as the owner and kind of slash general manager. But I, I don't. I don't think that Dak Prescott's job is in is any je- in any jeopardy. Could they give him a little bit more time to get rested because the team's winning without him? Sure, but that's just a practical management of your assets. Dave Naylor with us up. Nails, what were your takeaways from the Sunday nighter? I could sit here and talk about Patrick Mahomes for two hours a day. That's what I like to do. But very interesting to see what the Chiefs and I mean, just a brilliant game plan from Andy Reid. Um, and it was the Tampa Bay offense that got going quite a bit better than they had before. That being said, score effects might have been a part of it. Uh, but, man, the Tampa Bay defense got exposed. I mean, from where you thought those teams were before the game to where they were afterwards, what changed? Well, I guess Kansas City is kind of – the thing is when a team establishes itself like the Chiefs have, you have this expectation that they're going to do that every week, right? And then when they don't – it's not it's not even when they don't win. It's when they don't blow people out or they don't score 40. You know, we kind of get this, well, are they really what they, what they always have been, right? And, and it, especially in a circumstance where you can take a key piece of their offense out, like a Tyreek Hill, who's, you know, you see what he's doing in Miami. We had 11 catches or something the other night, the Dolphins in that game. Um, but, but, yeah, seeing Tampa Bay's defense, you know, exposed like that was, was I would say, surprising. And, and I agree with you on the score effects. Like, I don't ever really feel – like that game was in jeopardy. And if you look at the way Kansas City managed the second half of it, I mean, they basically didn't throw the ball in the fourth quarter. So they just, you know, they got up, whatever it was, you know, 17, 21 points. And it was just like, okay, how do we end this thing as soon as possible? And they were able to effectively do it. But I didn't feel like there were, we were on the precipice of one of those, you know, 
you, you do remind yourself that's Tom Brady on the other side of the team when you're watching the game and it's midway through the fourth quarter and you've seen him do some incredible things. But uh, no, I, I didn't. It didn't really translate for me on on, on that one. Um, you know, as as I, I thought Kansas City won that game handling and you know really throughout looked like that. Now I don't want to look past Week Five because there's some great matchups and the Chiefs are on Monday Night Football, but we know what's coming Week Six. It's Bills. It's Chiefs. The two preseason Super Bowl favorites. Um, when you look at this game, and which will be great, we'll have a lot of time to talk about it going forward. But um, in your opinion, Dave, are are those the two teams to beat still right now? Certainly in the AFC, or um, have there other teams that have maybe shown that they belong in that same conversation with the two preseason faves? Well, it's, I mean, it's hard not to say, you know, that, that Miami doesn't belong there when they they beat Buffalo and they beat Baltimore because Baltimore would be one of those other teams. You know, Baltimore just blew a 17-point lead to the to the Bills, so and they lost the game by three. So I think we got to put Baltimore in there, and, and Miami's beat Baltimore, and they beat Buffalo. So I think all those teams kind of rank in there. The interesting thing for me about the Bills is going to be whether or not this offense can diversify as the season rolls along. If you look at kind of like they had such a spectacular year last year, but the one kind of thing you kept hearing all offseason into this year was like they can't have whatever it is, 85% of their offense rolling through Josh Allen. Like he's their leading rusher after every game, and he throws for a million yards, and he takes a bunch of hits, and if the game's close, they got to use him on a bunch of designed runs. That's a lot (laughs) to put on anybody's shoulders. Um, even though he's 25, right, and even though he's in the early part of his prime and, and he can play the game the way he's not going to be able to play it when he was at 30. But I'll be honest, when I was in L.A., that Bills game, every time Josh Allen went under a pile, all I could think of was Nathan Rourke, right? Like, you, you just you know, you know watch him yeah. disappear under five bodies, and you know he's big and strong. So that their, their run game has really not, you know, not developed. I mean, it was a little better this week with Devin Singletary, but – you know, if they get into a, a shootout with another team that can shoot out with them, they don't really have the the. I don't say they don't have the ability to slow the game down the way you sometimes like to and keep the other offense off the field because they do use a lot of you know shorter, quicker passes to kind of replace you know in, in lieu of run passes. But uh, you know, they they got a second round running back on that roster, James Cook, who's barely touched the ball this year, and you know they've relied on Devin Singletary almost exclusively. So. You know, when you look at what Kansas City can do with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, that's definitely a difference in, in the run games of those two games. That, those, that's one area I would go advantage Kansas City. I mean, it's, it's such a, a great matchup in any context, but when you have it coming off of 13 seconds and with all that the Bills have kind of the hype surrounding the Bills this year, uh, that is, you know, we always talk about marquee games on the NFL calendar. That is undoubtedly one uh, because it's, you know, it's got the history – it's got the present. It's got the talent. It's got you know everything. So um, I'm looking forward to that one already. Yeah, I have been uh, counting down the days to uh, to that one. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. Where are you this weekend? Uh, you're still uh, globe trotting as usual, or uh, staying home? A rare weekend where I am not on the road anywhere, and I am not in studio. I will be at my home in front of my television. Well, enjoy that NFL Sunday. You won't get that very weekend. often. And- Taking a loo. There you go. And of course, uh, I know you'll be watching what happens here in the peg on Saturday night as the Bombers look to go 14 and two. Dave, thanks so much for doing this. It's always great to catch up. Really appreciate it. Let's do it again soon. Thanks so much, Foster. My pleasure. See ya. Our guy, TSN Dave Naylor on Twitter. That's Dave Naylor, TSN's 
Football Insider. Hey, speaking of football, great Monday nighter last night. Lots of folks out at the local Boston Pizza checking out the game, enjoying delicious pizza flights and ice cold bud draft for just five bucks every game. And you can win, uh, you can enter to win one of two grand prize trips for two for an NFL weekend in Vegas, including airfare, hotel, NFL game tickets, and a bonus NHL game. When you watch any NFL game on the big screens at Boston Pizza, first trip is November 11th to 13th. Raiders, Colts, Golden Knights, Blues on Saturday. Second trip, this would be unreal. New Year's Eve weekend, Raiders, Niners, plus the Knights and the Predators on New Year's Eve. Folks, watch the NFL and enter to win at any Winnipeg, Selkirk, Steinbach, Morden, and Portage Boston Pizza location. Uh, our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ are making the most of this beautiful fall and getting ready for Thanksgiving as well. Want to make mom happy on Thanksgiving? What better offerings to the Thanksgiving feast than a DQ ice cream cake? You can pick those up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And of course, if you want to get, I don't know, custom made with a turkey on it or something like that, um, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll custom make your DQ ice cream cake however you want it for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And when you pop in, check out that Reese's Pieces cookie dough blizzard, my personal favorite, and try the new Stack Burgers if you haven't already. And a big cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Man, we've still got a little bit of extra patio weather right now. And if you haven't checked the amazing new patio at Little Brown Jug in the exchange, what are you waiting for? It was the spot where we hosted our first ever Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night. Shout out to everyone that came out. And uh, a great spot to pop in and try all of the amazing Little Brown Jug beers and get a takeout for whatever catches your fancy of course the 1919 is available at fine bars and restaurants throughout the city and little brown jug available online at littlebrownjug.ca for citywide delivery or at your local beer store all right we got to get to the cool bet lines before the end of the program and i think we've got a little bit of brad lauer to play as well post jets practice today let's get remus back in here for the latest um Remo, what uh, what do you think? You want to uh, just do a quick clip of a uh, Brad Lauer? Obviously, I've been on the air, so you've heard this, and uh, and I haven't. Yeah, we got a couple of clips. Sure, I can fire those up. He doesn't speak uh, very long, but I think he tackled a couple topics, and and we'll talk more about this with Marat, who asked a lot of the questions to start, just about um, the look of the power play. We all know it got kind of static, uh, predictable, and I think they're trying to go away from that, and they studied. But some of the successful power plays around the league do, like Toronto or Colorado, and are trying to replicate maybe that, but you know, use the players to their strengths. And it's funny, um, Murado would always he would always say, you know, on the old power play that they had like a system and they found players to fit the system rather than using the players um, at their strength. And we'll see how they incorporate that this year. And here, you want to go meet a Bring in, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll let's, stop let's, talking. No one's let's to hear start, from me. Let's start it off. Let's start off with eleven because I am interested. I mean, one of the most intriguing things about the Jets going into this season is the power play. This is really our first chance to hear from Brad Lauer on said power play. Um, you know, he was asked and talked about getting more out of the power play on a consistent basis this season. You know, I think last year's power play they had looking at it is, you look at the numbers, twenty-one percent is pretty good. You know, but. 
when you look at where you sit in the league, you know, that puts us 17th. Um, you know, the thing we talked about this summer, you know, as a group is how do we get that extra 3 4%? How do we get those extra 10, 12 goals? And I think, um, you know, get a little bit, mo little bit more motion on it, um, be a little bit more unpredictable with it. I think we'll get, it, that's, we'll get us to that level. All right, Brad Lauer, who is uh, in charge of the Jets' power play, which is including Nikolai Ehlers, who really hasn't been on that PP1 for pretty much most of the time he's been a Winnipeg Jet. Here's a quick hit from Brad Lauer on using Ehlers on the power play. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another guy when we looked at the goals. I think if we can get another couple goals out of him on the power play this year and, and a few more points, I think that's 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 where you start looking at, at some more production. Um, you know, he's a he's a high-end skill player, and I think he's he's proven himself that he can definitely be on the power play. Oh, there's uh, Brad Lauer and Nikolai Ehlers who will certainly be a part of that PP1. Um, and, and this is a little bit on what Remus mentioned coming in here. Um, you're just speaking about taking from some of the other more successful power plays in the league and integrating that into a plan for the Winnipeg Jets. When you start looking at the top power plays around the league and you really study them, the Torontos, the, you know, the Colorados, uh, even St. Louis, uh, it's not just one position everybody's in. If you watch their, their power plays, there's a lot of movement, a lot of interchanging pieces. And, you know, I, I think that's a big part of our, our for our group this year is, is to try to get those rotations. And um, it's a process. Uh, it takes time. But, you know, I think with the guys we have, we'll be fine. All right. So uh, here's a little bit more from Laura. And it will also be interesting to see how the ice time is split up. I mean, certainly traditionally here, that number one power play unit was on the ice for the majority of the two minutes. Um, Lauer discussed, you know, mixing up the ice time and distributing it between PP1 and PP2. I, obviously, you, every team has an A and a B, but, you know, to be honest with you, I think having that uh, competition between the two, it, it's great. I think that, that drives each other. I think you got to have that. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I believe the second unit that we have, you want to call it a second unit, is, is very capable of scoring goals. And uh, it's a nice problem to have, you know, because I, I think if they're going and they're working and, they're having success. I think they go over the boards. All right. Well, that's, I think, music to everybody's ears. Legit competition between the units. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, guys on power play, too, that feel like they're getting an opportunity as well, as opposed to not just getting the scraps for the last 15 seconds of a two-minute power play. Uh, here's one more. Of course, we've been talking about Billy Hanela and how he looked quarterbacking the power play. Here's what the coach had to say. I mean, I thought last game, he, you know, that's where we put him. And, you know, I liked a lot of the good things he did. I thought he sees the ice very well, moves the puck very well. Um, a lot of positives to his game on the power play, you know. Um, you know, great upside to that. All right, so uh, there's uh, Brad Lauer, Jets assistant coach, in charge of the power play with a little comment on Billy Hanel and a little bit more on the special teams going into the season. All right, uh, before we go, we've got a couple things we want to hit, but let's quickly get to... The Cool Bet lines for today. Of course, if you haven't played at Cool Bet, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Would have been timely if you did it yesterday because yours truly went 4 and 0 on the Monday Nighter in the Lock Shop and our exclusives paid off as well. So, a great week for uh Yours truly in the lock shop. Uh, make sure you're subscribing wherever you get your favorite podcast. All right. Four games in the Canadian Football League. We'll hit them tomorrow on the Wednesday edition of the lock shop. Hamilton, two and a half point favorites against the struggling Saskatchewan Rough Riders at Tim Hortons Field. BC is at Toronto on Saturday. 
the Argos, one-and-a-half-point favorites against the visiting Lions. Bombers, no surprise, a massive favorite against the Elks. Winnipeg laying 13 at home against Edmonton. And the finale, the Ottawa Red Blacks with Bobby Dice, one of the real good guys in Canadian football, taking over as the interim head coach. They're seven-point underdogs going into Montreal to take on the Alouettes. And the Bombers still the clear-cut favorite to win the Grey Cup, plus 115. Calgary Stampeders in second at 4-1. to one. And uh, we've got some baseball tonight. Blue Jays and Orioles. Jays plus 106 underdogs. They've clinched their home game, home games for that first wild card round. And the Baltimore Orioles at minus 119. All right, Reem, before we go, um, I think we did. Did we talk about the Matt Barzell contract? We mentioned that at the start of the uh, the show. I, we've talked about so much uh, stuff I can't remember. I don't think we mentioned it, but he eight signed a years, contract. Eight years, $9.15 million. Lou Lamorello gets his guy, uh, but has to pay big time for it. And we think about Barzell right there in that Kyle Connor area uh, of uh, at the draft after Boston picked three guys and left both Barzell and Connor for the Islanders and Jets. Um just goes to show, I think, the value the Winnipeg Jets have on that deal they signed with Kyle Connor, just over seven million for the forty-seven goals he popped last year. Yeah, and a bit of a, I mean, bit of a down year for points for Barzell. I mean, nine million has is a lot for a guy who wasn't even close to a point per game player last year. Fifty-nine points in seventy-three games. Um, I think he was tracking pretty well in 2017-18. His First full season in the league where he had 85 and 82. I'm not sure what happened. Uh, they've changed the coach there. And we, we know this guy's a dynamic player and he can put up points, but uh, down year last year and gets the big deal. So good for him. We'll see how this works out. He's 25 years old. They're signing him kind of, you know, in the middle of his, uh, you know, in the middle of his 20s, supposed to be the prime of the career. But I, he had a down year, so it seems like, it seems kind of crazy to give him this big deal after after last season. Well, I mean, I think they, you know, they're paying a premium. They're buying up the entire prime of his career, yeah. and they obviously believe in him. Jay Miller says, "Is that what Shife gets?" Well, no, I don't think so because I mean, of Mark Shifley's age. I mean, Mark Shifley will be what 31, 31. when he needs a new contract. Um, I mean, look what happened to Nassim Kadri. I mean, he got what seven by seven coming off an 89-point season where he was a key factor in winning the Stanley Cup. Um, the real premium right now is for buying up the unrestricted years in a player's prime. Um, and for Mark Shifley, he certainly will be getting paid. And I would imagine if he has a couple great seasons, he'll certainly get a nice raise. I just don't think that there'll be an eight-year contract on the table. Or if there is... Um, that'll be one of those legacy contracts that we've heard about that, you know, might be great in the first half of them, uh, but in the last half could potentially be problematic. So um, I don't really think that that will be the case. And hey, we didn't really say this, uh, didn't talk about this with Naylor, but Remo, the New York Post and a number of other um, <laughs> agencies are reporting that Giselle and Tom Brady are getting the divorce lawyers out. Um, listen, I'll never make fun of someone for having marital issues, even if it's Tom Brady. Uh, but 
this is, I mean, this was the super couple. He thought that he had retired. And I mean, I don't want to say that he picked Mike Evans over Giselle, but um, he's back. He's doing what he loves to do and play. And unfortunately, that seems like that might be meaning the end of the uh, of the marriage. And I'll say this. I mean, Tom Brady is still the best to ever do it. Um, but this sort of off-field drama cannot help him in what could be his final season with so much on the line and a very tough spot right now for the Bucks after getting it handed to them at home by the Chiefs on Sunday. Yeah, I read this whole article uh, to prepare for the show. Uh, so I had to be well-versed on what's going on. I want to know. People want to know. This is something I was even talked. I told my wife. I ran upstairs. This is like when uh, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes broke up. I'm texting everyone I know. Um, just seemed like they got in a big fight, Huss, according to the New York Post, that she wasn't happy that he retired and then unretired. He's supposed to spend time with his family, but... Well, he, he did say, he's like, you know what, it's time for me to go spend time with yeah. my family and move on. He did that for like two weeks, and then, I'm back! Yeah. Not retiring great. anymore, and I can understand that maybe Giselle was somewhat miffed, because, I mean, as much as... Her, her incredible success. Um, there is a lot that I'm sure the wives have to do when, you know, you're playing the quarterback position and the amount of time it takes to play at the level that Tom Brady mm -hmm. has been setting the bar at for the last 20 years in the NFL. Yeah, it also said that Giselle is starting to do some more modeling campaigns and she's kind of annoyed. Tom Brady's, you know, still working hard and she kind of had to put her career on hold a little, so I can see why there's definitely some disagreement there. And uh, the New York Post did reference Tom Brady's appearance on Howard Stern, where he talked about managing that work, family, work-life balance. So, did you listen? You're a big Stern guy. I've, did you hear that I one? I listened like the day that he was on. Yeah, I was fired up, fired up for that. So, um, we'll see what happens, how it affects his play. We do know that he got Mike Evans back and uh, Chris Godwin last game that was a big help and now that we'll see how this affects him on the field Huss, is their quest to uh, win another Super Bowl like Tom Brady can't stop playing football Huss. rumors abound that Giselle's looking for a YouTuber potentially a podcaster for her uh, her next partner applications will be available and listen I don't think either of them will do too poorly but we'll see whether this actually happens that being said it is somewhat of an NFL story because certainly that's got to um, be weighing on Tom Brady right now as the uh, season is only a quarter old. Um, hey, we got a great show tomorrow. Marat will join us, and we are going to get ready for the game tomorrow night. We'll also check in with more on the Bombers. And a little heads up for you, Friday's show is going to be real fun. We'll have the latest on the Winnipeg Jets going into the final preseason game with Ken Weave. But we'll also have Kurt Keelback on the program. Kurt has a new book. It's called Two Minutes for Talking to Myself. Jet stories, coyote stories, some tales, some opinions. And Kurt's going to join us, and uh, we'll have that for you on Friday as well, in addition to hopefully Hacksaw and everything else heading into the weekend. Uh, that's going to do it for us right now. we got to get the pods up. Big thanks to Dave Naylor and Mike McIntyre for joining us. Great job from Remus to get all the Jets audio for you. And thanks to everyone having fun with us, hanging out in the chat you're listening on the podcast make sure you get over to the youtube channel give us a sub uh hit that red button and um whenever you would like to maybe watch the video side of it it's there for you and again you youtubers 
when you just want the audio or can only get the audio, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Thanks again to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Folks, have a great night. We'll be back tomorrow. A game, a home game day edition with Murata Tesh and more as we get ready for the final two preseason games and next week's puck drop on the NHL regular season. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh my God! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.